0: I want tendies on the podcast known as Trapped Under Plastic, the friendship simulator for all the pinup painting enthusiasts. That's us. That's us. We are your neighborhood-friendly internet friendship simulator. When when are you gonna paint a pinup? You know, everyone's gotta do it once. You know, you know, Theo. Um. (laughs) Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, uh, Uncle Huxtables. Got yeah, goddamn Rudy. Rudy. Got the jello. Okay, <laughs> so I, I was re-listening to the last episode of Trotter and Plastic and you're talking about it, and I was like, god damn. I'm not kind of thinking about it. And I went through and I looked through my kingdom death your vast my vast collection the vast ocean yes and that's part of the issue is I have so many yeah I've got so many pinups I didn't realize how many I had yeah but I don't like buy the brown box ones or you get the one off yeah. of pinup. I think I have maybe one or two but those were also because like they're just like badass models mm-hmm. more like warrior chicks. Yeah, um, yeah you're investing in that that Kickstarter money. right? Yeah, you're, you're getting thousands of models I, for I millions of dollars. I need them all. I'm definitely, once the gambler's chest finally comes out, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna be painting some shit out of that. But I think maybe I should, you know. The gambler's chest that you bought 17 years ago. Yeah, 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 That's, that sounds about right. Math checks out. <laughs> um, but I think the, the key is, now, uh, I just paint painter with like very pale skin and I know how to do that now and there she's blood there you go oh you're, oh you're doing that you're gonna do that again no I probably shouldn't didn't you get like backfiring on that I, I got I got in a little internet trouble yeah yeah and people are like this is gross the police came out it's gross yeah <laughs> yo. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it like I know I know yeah. that there's gonna be people that it's like yuck this doesn't really appeal to me and I, I knew that going into it and it doesn't bother me and, and I don't Take it personally that you think that way. Um, I understand if you're upset and you wanted to watch one of my videos and you felt grossed out so you couldn't watch the video. Like, I kind of get that. Um, I think one of the things for me is, like, my whole life, like, seeing blood, dealing with blood, all that kind of stuff is a daily part of my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm so desensitized to it Mm -hmm. that it like, I guess I just, it's, I struggle to empathize with how people would deal with it the other way, but also, like, just so curious. I was so curious. I wanted to do it. I had so much fun making that video. That's awesome. And so I'm like, I'm really happy and I'm happy with how it turned out. And I, like, I think the fun that I had showed through. Apparently, not to everybody though, because I got a handful of comments and maybe this is, they're probably coming from a very sincere place asking if I was okay. Like, Thinking there was like oh, I like had gone, self-harm? No, involved? not self-harm. Like like mentally, this is a sign that I'm <laughs> unstable. Oh my gosh. Which was my reaction first too. That's like, the first sign you fucking noticed? <laughs> <laughs> like Oh no. Every episode of this podcast I noticed that this man is a clearly off his rocker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like Oh this is it Yeah he's painting A lady in his own blood It's gone too far <laughs> This is the turning point Yeah A lot of people talking about Oh what's next Like I get that joke It was funny the first time And I was like 70 people have said like Oh you're gonna paint In your own poop next <laughs> I'm like oh, Poop jokes I get it I'm here for the poop jokes Yeah yeah You you created these people Yeah like, oh, yeah. You, you asked for this <laughs> Yeah I am I am Dr. Frankenstein I can't be upset <laughs> Right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Alright yeah. There will be no There will be no Additional videos In This isn't this no bodily fluids This isn't the start of a series Okay Okay Because there's there's options left Yeah There's Yeah there's, <laughs> 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 there's All options. right preamble ramble time You ever heard of the boys uh, The TV show TV Or it's like show. It's like badass Or evil superheroes Is that what it is Yeah cor- Corporatized superheroes And what that looks like Oh okay That's a lovely Drinking apparatus You have there John where can I get one this is, this is G, G Fuel? No, fuck the fuck the can. Oh, yeah, this is a trapped <laughs> under plastic mug, which easily fits your G Fuel. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this up at the gas station this morning. It's Sonic the Hedgehog Peach Rings flavor, bro. Oh, um, that's what you were saying? That thing is Sonic the flavor, Sonic the Hedgehog Peach Ring? What the fuck? You f- want to fucking try it? Hold on. So it's Peach Ring flavor, but it also tastes like a rodent? I think because it's G Fuel, which is like gamer fuel, Oh my God! Is it good? I didn't try it, it yet. Of course it is. All right. I, now I get your hepatitis. Okay. As so a, as as a, as a fellow adult soda drinker, anything that's sweet and bubbly is good. Is good by me. Oh, hot damn! <laughs> <laughs> Give me that G fuel. <laughs> it's gangster fuel. <laughs> Sonic is a gangster. This is delicious. <laughs> it is pretty sweet and delicious. Mm, Limited anyways. edition. Get yours Not a sponsor Uh, You know I decided after After getting banged Last uh, (laughs) Last episode I'm just gonna like Keep testing the waters uh, You know with, With different delicious Carbonated beverages In each episode And then someone eventually Is gonna be like We need to sign these boys Yeah John will drink Literally anything So reach out You're right I mean G Fuel I think they sponsor Like Twitch streamers And stuff Granted it's Gamer Fuel We're just a different Kind of gamer So does Red Bull Right. Yes, exactly. This is an untapped market. Yeah. Because Mountain Dew is you know, taking me behind the woodshed. Yeah. Right. And I, I I can't have it. They're just smacking you around a bit. I know. I don't know. Mistreating like you. All right. About the boys. Sorry for that's okay. Situation. So I've had people tell me to watch The Boys, the TV show, for a while, and I haven't really watched it. I'm not a huge TV show person. You know why I haven't watched it? Why is that? They spelled it with a Z. No, they don't. Okay. Then I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All along, you thought this? <laughs> Damn, I thought it was a Z the whole time. <laughs> uh, super violent show. Uh, so I was like, my wife's not going to go for that. But she did go for it, and we're hooked. We're like season two, episode four. Like, I don't know, after like two weeks. Wow. So it's pretty good. We're enjoying it a lot. And I was like, I wonder if there's any of the boys' minis. Sure enough, like, I don't know, in the last. Two weeks or a week. Simon just came out with a Zombicide pack for the boys. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's wonderful. It's got great characters in it too, and the models are pretty cool. So I might paint up uh, a little bit of Homelander, which is the the biggest baddest superhero oh, in the yeah. show. So are they bad guys? Are they like they're they're like morally, uh, you know, innocuous kind of thing? I would say it's not innocuous. It's pretty full on. Um, oh. they're they're pretty bad. Yeah. So it's kind of like. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, they they're not good people. Okay. All right. There's not really anyone who's good. There's like bad people and anti-heroes. That's kind of it. Mm. That's so fun. Yeah, I that's been on my sh- it's been on my short list also the same boat as you that my wife would want to watch it. But we're watching we're getting caught up on Umbrella Academy the latest season of that and she really likes that. Nice. But I feel like The Boys is just one step too far. It might be. Give it a shot. Maybe one episode. Who yeah. knows? Okay. Okay. We'll see if she wants It's a it. pretty cool and it's a pretty compelling story. And it's got minis for it. So if you get into it miniature, you can pay a mini for it. I think you're bring them into Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yeah. Maybe. Wait. No, it's not Marvel. I know, but they're heroes. <laughs> and it's a miniature board game. You have miniatures. Go with me on this. Guy. Okay, I'm with you. You just it's like a proxy, right? It's like I'm playing. Um... I'm playing as Captain America, but I'm using this other guy that's like the Captain America version of the yes. boys. Yes, use that mini instead. Okay. I'm okay, down? you with that? Yeah, I'm with that. Okay. All right, we're good. All right. What okay. do you got in a little preamble ramble? I thought you were going to talk about the boys on here because you have your boys coming down for this weekend. Oh, you should I just talk about my my plans for the weekend? Yeah, I thought that's what you were <laughs> referring to. I <laughs> turned 30 and we are having a joint Dirty 30 party. Oh boy, all your boys turned 30. All my boys, we all turned 30. Are you going to like drink some Metamucil and- Yeah. And like- Go to bed at like nine, have a salad. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Coming from the fucking 40-year-old. <laughs> shut up. I ain't 40, bitch. <laughs> I ain't 40 for another 20 days or so. Give or take. All right, we got Vince coming. Yeah, I got some stuff here. Vincey V is coming to town. It's like Santa Claus Yeah, kind in is. August. Santa Claus in the mini painting world. <laughs> yeah, so Vincey V is coming up to Minnesota to spend some time with us here. We're going to paint some minis. We're going to hang out. We're going to... Record an episode of Trapped Under Plastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe do a little live stream, possibly game live stream. Yeah. painting live stream. I was thinking for that, maybe I should read the new rules that's going to come up in the news section for the new Warcry edition. Ooh. And then we could play that. A little Warcry. That sounds like a fun game to play on stream. Absolutely. Okay. You're probably throw together some painted models for that too. I have enough painted stuff to yeah. get a War Cry, War Band. And Vince likes that game, so I know- you know, you don't be... wanna have him just beat your ass in Age of Sigmar? Right. No, I do not want that to be recorded. Uh, yeah, I forever. don't want that either. <laughs> I mean I kinda lose all the time on my own stream, so it doesn't really matter. It's par for the course. Yeah. I didn't catch the end last night. Two one Danner or... They fucking tied. What the fuck? Nine to nine. There's no fucking ties. they apparently I never soccer tied in a song of Ice and Fire, but they tied nine nine. I don't I don't believe a game should be allowed to tie. That's why <laughs> soccer is a stupid sport. <laughs> like oh we're good you guys can all go home now dude everyone every english person in our comment section now is just hating on you i know i know i'm sorry it's a bad sport not only did you call it soccer you're calling it bad it's soccer i'm from america i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be a douche and like call it what another country calls it just because that's what they call it because i'm not that country it's like me calling it Aluminium or whatever the fuck they call it. Aluminium. Aluminium, which is not how the word is pronounced. Well, it's actually spelled differently in England because they because that's did they change it or do we change it? No, when when the element was discovered, the guy that discovered it spelled it aluminum and pronounced it aluminum some jackass along the way screwed it up somewhere and everyone was just like <laughs> let's go with it it's kind of like isopropyl and isopropanol it's yeah. like, I, the, I think if i looked up the wiki at that they're both the exact same thing but it's like why didn't why is it one name not good enough like we want to abbreviate it but not that much <laughs> yeah we actually want to make it worse <laughs> yeah, we're going to take yeah we're like well, what's, a, what's one more syllable yeah you know so yeah. it's cheap um, okay so vtv is going to be here we're pretty excited this is the the longest running um, anticipation guest for Trapped Under Plastic. Yes. I'm not sure what we're gonna talk about. I'm sure it's gonna be amazing, but like I feel like we need to hit something that like lets everyone see the true okay. VNCV, V, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's gotta be a topic where we're gonna get some fucking quotable quotes. Okay. 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 All right. So uh, I don't know. We we gotta think on that. Okay. We gotta think on that. What's gonna bring out Vince's true nature We should talk about All the games he's made And how the rules are shitty <laughs> Yeah we should just do Live reviews Of his entire yeah. career um, It appears that On page 37 <laughs> In Rain and Hell There's a fucking typo uh, Well you used the wrong version Of there Yeah <laughs> We're gonna just a like grammar troll, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and just see how long till the cracks start to show on yeah, his yeah, surface. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! No, we wouldn't do that. We love Vince Way too much. We're just gonna have a lot of fun. But uh, we thought we'd share that with the Goody peepees That uh, we got Vince V coming to town. So here, that episode probably end of August, early September. That episode will be live. That so, sounds about right. You yeah. know, mark your calendars. Um, Speaking of calendars, a little update, uh, Las Vegas open painting classes, um, our class is almost sold out. There's like a couple tops, a couple spots left. Mm. We wanted to share that with y'all. If you're on the fence, if you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it or I'm sure you should, you know, shit or get off the pot (laughs) because I'd hate for you to say in like a week that like. Yes, I'm definitely going. And then the spots are all sold out. Mm-hmm. So three is, spots left. Three as of the recording of this episode. Get on in. And uh, we will see you there with bells on in tendies and pockets. Yeah, tendies and pockets. Yeah. We're going to keep them warm in our pockets. Bro, I'm just going to have pocket tendies all kind long long. Like, soggy. and soggy. Like, I'm feeling a little bit like I want a snack. I'm like, I got you, dog. I got this tendy in here. Pocket, pocket Tend- tendies. <laughs> I just have a. I, I'm like a ban, I'm like a yeah, bandito. Yeah, 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 a bandolier. Bandolier. That's yeah, the yeah. word too. Bandito is a, is a person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a character. Yeah. Well What like what if a bandito is wearing a bandolier? That'd be crazy. That would be awesome. Covered in tendies. It's Bandception. It feels like that should be a miniature. We should. It already is a miniature. Every single fucking gill ball miniature is <laughs> a Bandita wearing goddamn bandolier. <laughs> yeah, okay. they got tendies in there. We just need to green stuff some tendies yeah, yeah, into the bandolier. This little you Batman utility belt of like oh, throwing yeah. star tendies. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I like that. I like that. I feel like I had one more thing. You do. You, uh, so Eons of Battle recommended you a book. I saw his comment as well called <laughs> The Infinite and the Divine. I don't know if there's a the at the beginning of the book title, Infinite and the Divine. Okay, so I'm not sure if this was Jay or Nick from Eons on Battle. Eons of Battle, a uh, fun, cool YouTube channel uh, with Nick and Jay. And in the last episode of the podcast- I'm, I think my gut tells me it was Jay because he he talks about books and lore and stuff often. I don't know if if Nick knows how to read, so I don't. <laughs> know for, for sure. Get but can wreck. <laughs> but I think uh, I think it's Jay, and he said um, "Infinite and the Divine" reads most like a real book, um, and he's read a lot of uh, Black Library stuff. So I'm like, okay. So I ordered it on Amazon. Yeah, honestly, I guess you probably shouldn't be taking like book suggestions for me because i don't really read a ton sure but i know a lot of people like the adb novels which i a. are you further on now yep yep i'm almost through the first book in the omnibus any opinions change um it's cool like there's some there's some interesting drama unfolding now and so it's it's in it's piqued my interest of what's gonna happen even though i'm pretty sure i know what's gonna happen that's okay and I could be wrong. Um, but there's more like silly visual, we need to put more of the Warhammer universe in front of your face at yeah, every turn. Dude. dude. Um, remember that uh, Ideneth Deepkin book I had in England? Mm-hmm. I've been reading that a little bit and holy fucking shit, I need to have the codex next to me while reading it because there are just so many non-words <laughs> being thrown around. God, that's a great way to describe it. I'm just like, what the fuck is being spoken about right now? I have no idea. <laughs> um Yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah. So I did see there were some other recommendations in the comment section from last episode two, Gaunt Ghosts. Oh, yeah, everyone uh, talks about that one. Yeah, like I feel like uh, I might need to what read sometime. And then some guy I'm I'm sorry I I can't remember Who posted this if it was you Thanks for posting this He said he read the original novel The original Horace Heresy novel And he felt like that novel Expected you to still know so much (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, made me laugh so fucking hard. That's, that's, like, feels bad, of course man. it did. Of yeah. course it did. So that is our, uh, I think that's all I had for a preamble ramble. All right. Jamble, jamble, jamble. what we painted here. You got like 70 things. So you need to start with what you painted, Brosif. I know the the office move is done. So I'm making up for lost time. Uh, so I finally finished Blade from Marvel Crisis Protocol in full NMM. Um, Evan joked that, okay, you're 1 12th of the way to a finished army, but I'm actually 1 6th of the way because I already painted Doc Ock. Get wrecked, Evan. Oh, but I, I painted a meme. TMM. Or, oh. oh, yeah. It was like, oh. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. I took like five streams, probably like 11 hours to paint uh, when I got toward the end there. Kind of phoned it in on the base, did some airbrush work. I actually think the glow on the base is really nice because it's, it's not fighting for attention. Like you can tell what it is. And it has enough of an interest color differentiation, but it's not going bright. If I did this, I probably would do it overdone, and it would your eye would go too much down there mm. and not up to him. So I, I really like it. Yeah, I shaded it with some purple, yeah, purple shadows. Yeah, so I got some. So basically, the green is like the highlight. The there's a little bit of blue in the midtone, and then there's purple for a shadow. Um, yeah, that was pretty easy. <laughs> I could probably put like some greens on like the undersides of his knee pads and things like that if I was going to really like kind of drive home the whole it's OSL and glowing thing. But I just mm-hmm. didn't really care to. I definitely ran out of steam toward the end there. Um, and I can't, uh, you know how like you have like an easy way to paint NMM. Like you've kind of developed an idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to develop that so I can like paint NMM in a faster way um and did get like, lot of futzing on this i do yeah i kind of always do i kind of feel like when i sit down to paint a model at, at that time i decide is this a futzer or is this not a futzer you know uh, sure i can't paint a model in like five hours is that like one hour or ten uh um, sure 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 so I'm, I'm i need to strike a middle ground here Uh um, oh, that's an interesting thing Yo, you forgot to paint something did i on uh, his, his, oh, yeah, sheets, not like that. Yeah, the of I them. just edge highlighted those. I was like, yeah. I am not painting those silver, dude. I'm so done with NMM. I think this model is a great example of really benefiting from NMM because it doesn't have a lot of color variation, a lot of like interest in terms of contrast to it. It's because that's what you paint him like how Blade dresses, which oh, is yeah. very kind of monochromatic. Yeah, if you did silver tmm paint on this and even if you did shading and then highlighting stuff i think you'd have nothing to kind of show off with the model yeah and so i think this really benefits from it and he did a good job i really did all black too it'd be even like you know because he wears all black he doesn't wear a white shirt like i I gave him there yeah um yeah i'd be like a lot of boringness wesley snipes so yeah that one's done um during a patron meeting, I finished up this navigator. Uh, I bought a navigator team for Guild Ball because they seem like a a fun guild. Very different than the way my morticians play. They're all about scoring. um, Super fast paced uh, army. Is this like one of the last ones they released? I think so. It's either that or it's the lamp lighters. I can't remember if those ever came out actually but it's like an hour long paint job. Nothing too complicated. It's solid though. It's really, you have the enough... Differentiation in materials. Did you do a wash over this? Oh uh, yeah, I did uh, that typical Raffaella Pica speed painting strategy that he taught me that I made a video about like a super long time ago where I painted your uh, darkness. What is that game called? Massive darkness. Massive darkness minis in that darkness. video. Um So yeah, and then kind of a similar approach for this dog, which is for Vince's wife, Kathy. Um, I did the speed painting approach, but I also, I I worked on the face, like, independently. Like, I painted the face like I painted Blade. And mm. then I painted the body like I painted that Navigator model. <laughs> um, so I kind of just, yeah. That model, oh my lord. I gotta tell you, when, uh, when a mile's got a bunch of detail on it that I can't really tell what it is, it really kills the, the painting feng shui. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. Because it, I think... I have been there before and I think what it does is it puts this giant roadblock in your decision making of like you're looking at the things you're deciding what you're going to do next mm-hmm. or you think this is going to be this so I should put a darker color next to this brighter color mm-hmm. or I'm going to use a blue here but every of one of those decisions you're like I- is that as fur is that chain mail is that a rope like everything you try to do like the bottles like ha yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Fuck you. Just tell me. I know. It's like I have to be like thinking about and making these decisions the entire time. It's n- nothing's super obvious like what it yes. is. But then on top of that, there's just so much shit on that model. Oh, there's so there's much like shit. Bags and belts and crossbows and like a bamboo thing under the crossbow. And it's just like, bro. Okay, I have a theory about this. And I, I, I don't know if, I mean, this definitely happened with the advent of 3D sculpting, right? Mm. When someone sculpts something by hand, They can only, like, make details, like, within reason. Because, like, it's small, right? Yep. But when you're fucking zoomed in in ZBrush. Oh, yeah. And you're just making all kinds of shit. You're like, this is going to be great. And then it's like, no, it isn't. It looks like you've got a blank space the size of a continent. I know. (laughs) And on the model, it's like a millimeter by millimeter. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to put something there, man. I know. So the last thing I did was I 3D printed this Void Spirit model from Dota 2. And I went through, like, a, a sculpting process with someone on Fiverr. His name is Felix. Um, and the first round of that his face, he had like tons of wrinkles in and stuff like that. And I'm like, bro, just get rid of all of those wrinkles. Cause like those things are just going to shrink up. It's going to make his cheeks and his forehead just not be a nice smooth volume to paint. And they're going to look, it's going to be like really difficult to paint and not have them look like super ancient and old. And I'm so happy that I said that because the face looks, it looks great. You can see a little bit of his eyelid. He's got like some smile lines, stuff like that, but nothing too, nothing too crazy. Um, but that model is, like, I think one of the better 3D prints I've been able to produce with uh, with my setup, finally. Okay, so it's funny, because you shared pictures of this online, and because you had that fade model made, yeah. I assume that this model was the same scale. Oh. I didn't realize it was 32 millimeter. Yeah. And it looks so fucking good. In yeah, right. dude, it really does. Okay. With That's interesting. Size. Because, yeah, like... You zoomed in super, super close and you could see some layer lines. But I mean, this part that you zoomed in on to get to be able to see those is so invisible to the human eye. Yeah. As close as my eyes will focus. Right. Yeah. Like I wasn't joking when I said when you're five inches away with your face, you're not really seeing those layer lines. Nope. I can't see any of it it all looks very smooth and very crisp yeah and like the ruins on his little i like, know yeah that part his belt jangles dude those are fucking crisp so there were some problems like his beads on his hand like the under his hand like the there's like a couple beads that are like half beads i don't know how that happened like how does the bottom print but not the top um ah uh, so it looks like a support shoe. Possibly yeah But I, I, you would think That the bead Wouldn't start Printing higher up It would just start Halfway through the bead And then complete Yeah like it's missed It missed where it was Connecting And then it kept Doing the next layers Until it got to the Midpoint of the bead Where it actually Hit it hit something mm. i um, I mean, I'm sure that's not right, but it sounds, like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right in my head. Yeah. It sounds right, man. That looks really fucking good. Yeah. And I started painting some Blood Rage miniatures, but I haven't really done anything other than just clean and essentially the sen- prime them. I'm doing another video about painting a model in 10 minutes, 1 hour, and 10 hours because my Discord is currently uh, doing that. And when I did it last time, like a year and a half ago, um, I did it the reverse. I did 10 minutes first, and then 1 hour and 10 hour, I'm going to do 10 hour first this time. That's going to be like a lot better for the speed painting process. And I'm going to try a different approach for the 10 minute model versus what I did last time, which is like a black undercoat and then really fast base coats that are like kind of pseudo highlights where the black is still the shadow. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that that reverse mentality is, is probably, it's probably going to give you a better, almost assuredly will give you a better result on your faster ones. Yeah. Because you'll, you'll have experience with the model to know what makes the most impact? Right. Um, whereas if you're starting there, you're kind of just like learning the model as you're under the gun for time. Yeah, absolutely. That that's definitely what I experienced when I was. Uh, I don't know why I did the 10 minute one first. That's so stupid. I had to figure out how to paint the model and paint it in 10 minutes. It's it's logical though. That's where my brain would go too. It's it seems it's like short, medium, long. Like that's the way your brain works. Yeah, and and it doesn't work in reverse. Like long, medium, short. No, that's that's backwards. Like yeah. that doesn't how so. Oftentimes when we do that We make a decision like that Because it's kind of just like Genetically obvious That's just the way it, it, we operate If we don't sit down and be like Is that right? You just go with it Until all the way through the process You're like oh This is dumb This was this was dumb the whole time Yeah then everyone in the comments Is like you should have done The long one first And I'm just like yeah you're right <laughs> Alright John's busting out Some treasure chest Bro I got my fucking travel case here I got this travel case I'm opening it up the opposite way to the... to the. I don't know if the camera can see this or not. Love you all. Okay, I love this fucking door because you just got the hinge and you just... just pops right off. Pop off the front door hinge. Ooh. This is a Table War case, correct? Yes, this is a uh, travel case from Table War and it's pretty fucking hot. I got little magnetized trays that go in there too, but my one model. I only painted one model. I didn't paint 17 models. Wow. I <coughs> painted this... Uh, this week, this is for, this video should be live by the time this episode comes up. But this is the war dog that I kitbashed. Um, and I painted him up. I painted him up as a world eater. And I just, I had so much fun with this. I just got lost in it. And my goal, my plan was to paint it in two days. And I ended up taking four like four, eight, uh, eight to ten hour days. I forgot how much time everything takes on a large model, and every time I paint a large model, it's like my dumbass forgets, and it's like I my timing in my head is just off, right? In in how long everything takes to do, but it's just so fun, like to see when you see something undergo a big change like when the detail starts coming together when things start having all this richness and texture and color depth and all this kind of shit on a bigger model it just like oh it just feels so good um and i really like i like it's got a ton of of depth of color in all the dark areas which i think when when you paint in kind of a grim dark gritty style To me, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned that makes it look really well. And it doesn't. The problem is it doesn't always show up really well in pictures. um, To see how well like that depth of color kind of works, but bro, talk to me about rust. You got some. uh, You got some texture. Yeah. What was this again? What 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 was the texture for the rust? Uh, It's an AK Interactive. Oh, I think it was called stuff. It's in the smaller thing, so it's not four basing, but it's called like decay deposits. It looks really good, and it really adds to the rust. Yeah, and so when I was building it, where a lot of the points are, where I I, I slapped some of it on was points where like my either my kit bashing wasn't like perfectly smooth, or like I once I'd you know put it all together, I'm like I know there's going to be a line showing there, I fucking grinded her up. Threw some of that over the top, covers that up, covers some like tough parts to get super smooth in your like um, uh, mold lines and stuff. And then I, when I had that, I'm like, that will just be my guide to add the more grungiest of, of rust. And then for the color, you use an oil paint, right? Or no? Uh, it's an enamel. It's a rust, the, the stuff that's kind of like streaky and going down in the fainter stuff, that's a rust streaks enamel okay but like it looks like you almost like washed that like rust deposit with like an orange color and that was that same thing um no there's three different products used for the rust on here the the stuff that's like the the brightest and the most grungy stuff is the dirty down rust ah yes so anytime there's the grit uh, that's got a it's final stage of the rust on that is the dirty down stuff because I wanted to kind of accentuate it because that decay deposit happens. With rust over time, is it's actually flaking and destroying the metal material. So I figured that stuff would be the heaviest. Rust would be living there, and I actually made the the whole top. He's got this like thing in the top of his shoulders, between his shoulder blades, with a bunch of little spikies on top. I made that whole thing look like it, like the whole thing is just like decaying from <laughs> from mm. the sides. So why is it pink on top? Uh, that's a little overspray. Mm. <laughs> <My red. laughs> and I thought with all the the grime and stuff that I do with it, like you wouldn't be able matter. to really see it. It doesn't matter, but um, it doesn't seem like it's unintentional. And also, doesn't a gun go there and cover it up, anyways? I don't know if there's supposed to be a gun there, but I thought it was stupid. There's a hole on his head, though, for some it's, kind that's of that's that's you know that's a that's where you put in a hex a hex bolt, and then that's how you unscrew it. That's the gas cap. You gotta put <laughs> <laughs> what. You, you got to put in I was your, like, he's serious right now. You got, you got to put in the hex screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's and you unscrew it, and that's how you get the gas cap. Off. Like to them at that scale, it'd be like this. It'd be an Allen it's this fucking big. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, yeah, they need to have like they have to have like a warlord titan. Yeah, <laughs> he like opens his pinky, and then there's really? just an Allen wrench in there, and he goes. They got they got a mechanic <laughs> war dog uh, titan that all he does is just like fix the other war dog titans. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that. that's that's probably somewhere in the lore that that's an actual thing. It's yeah. like the 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 mechanic knight. His job <laughs> yeah, is not yeah, war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His job is to fix and change oil. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> so, looks really fucking cool, man. Yeah, it and uh, it was time well spent. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I actually think um, I might spend a little bit more time in it and then enter it in competitions because I really am happy with how it looks in this light here it doesn't look as good cuz the because of the dark the darkness um but one thing that i really take away cuz i have another really thing i want to talk about in the preamble or excuse me in the after party about something i learned but one of the most important things the most important lessons i learned in painting grimdark is you need to have really bright shit because really bright colors like and i there's a lot of like cream in this mm. because that was part of the reason i decided to paint in this color scheme this army scheme because they had a lot of like cream on their armor was because that shows the nastiness so much better and you get because otherwise when you start layering on all this decay and all these different things if the color is not bright you lose so much of that. Mm. So, you need to contrast that. And, like, I love doing grimy shit that's like an ivory color because it's like it shows everything so well. So, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, that's why his armor bits and stuff. And it breaks it up because he's got so much metal on this fucker. Yeah. It's like you need it to not be another dark color armor. Well, it's one of the reasons why I felt like my Night Lord stuff didn't look as good as I wanted it to look and it was because it's really dark blue and it's metal and it's so hard to show a grim dark painting style with that. Yeah absolutely. That's interesting. I would never would have thought about that but it does make a lot of sense. This week's sponsor is our old friends over at Broken Anvil Miniatures. That's right Scooty. The team behind Rivenstone, which they have late pledges available right now by the way, has a new exciting theme for august which is curse of the emerald city dorothy for only nine dollar dues a month patrons can nab over 30 printable miniatures varying from whimsical to horrifying from a legally distinct land over the rainbow and hopefully they even include a chicken this month you'll find everything from a motley crew of heroes to guild folk to clockwork soldiers and many many other creatures along the way Okay, so I suppose if there's a clockwork soldier, that means they are referencing Return to Oz, which is the superior version of The Wizard of Oz. I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> John, I'm sure DM yourself seeing maids like this gives you tons of ideas for a campaign, right? Oh, you bet your ass it does. Yeah, between the emerald trees and the brick roads, I feel like whoever wrote this ad spot said I have ideas right now. <laughs> All these finely detailed miniatures, even Aunt Em and Uncle Henry would think you're delusional if you didn't. I can almost hear Auntie Em's voice right now as an NPC in my campaign. Luckily, that can become a reality because included... In every month of the Patreon, they give you all the stats for 5 d stuff. So, boom. You got it. So, boom. That's right. The Curse of Emerald City month over at Broken Anvil should fill a wealth of needs from running an RPG campaign to maybe even a hint of nostalgia. Most importantly, the minis look cool. That is the most important thing. Thank you to Broken Anvil for sponsoring this episode. You can find all their stuff in the show notes and description below. Now, on to the main topics. Dream sequence after a natural disaster. What are you talking about? That's my campaign idea. Oh, of course. Where'd you get that idea? Here! <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I fucking cancel out your button. Does it work that way if I push a button and then push another button? No. It locked it down. I thought I heard a tiny bit of it. There a was. Thing. Like they hit, we hit simultaneous button presses. Yeah. And the little robots inside the thing couldn't chew. Isn't good? You can change the behavior, so you could change it where it would like layer the sound effects. Oh, um, yeah, it's like a bunch cl- of different buttons. The out. clapping and the laughing, yeah, because yeah, maximum chaos. All right, all right, we got another multi-topic discussion segment for you because you guys enjoyed it last time, so we thought we'd do it again. And the first question comes from our one and only John Ninas. Hey, I, 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 I had an idea. I, 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 I had an idea. So I was talking to Scott about this randomly over text the other day and then I was like maybe we should talk about the dumb podcast. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, well, that's, I'll that's talk. the voice in in my head for you and I'm here typing to me." Yeah, I talk about it on the a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I did what I about. Exactly, exactly that. You want to catch some totes? <laughs> totes? Like the boxes? No, no toads. <laughs> oh, toads. We can lick them by the pod. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you have the days of the boys like this. <laughs> yeah. And I talk like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, well, after, we learned, after we licked some toads, we came up with this question. <laughs> All right, my question is, is ranking paints and paint brands an actual good idea? <laughs> We've been seeing this more and more lately. There's been a number of videos um on y- the YouTube's about ranking paints or saying which paint brand is the best and putting in them in order. Which is S tier needs a, needs a nerf, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, like a nerf of paint range. <laughs> and then you know what is what is D tier and needs some rebalancing so it can make its way back in the meta. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, is it good or is it bad? I don't know. I think at face value, probably it's bad. Yeah. But it's also helpful at the same time. Yeah, I th- I think that like people want to know that the choice they make is a good choice. They're spending their money wisely. They have a thing that is going to help them mm-hmm. and not have to fight it. It's going to make their paint jobs better, it's make them a better painter, and, and so on and so forth. I'm not saying that's what actually happens, but I'm saying just our monkey brains look for... Path of least resistance. I want an answer. I want to, or I want reassurance. Yeah. Cause it's super logical that, like, that'd be a question you would ask. Right. It's like, there's so many paint ranges. Surely one of them, like, rises to the top. And I feel like for the majority of the situations, they're all very usable. Yeah. I kind of came to this, this, and tell me if this connection is not a correct way to look at it. I almost kind of looked at it as, like, getting a car. There's a lot of different car brands. Mm -hmm. There are some that are known for certain things like Toyota is very reliable, right? Or, you know, Porsches are sexy. Very sexy. Say it. it. They're sexy. They're, they're they're sweet. Uh, Mercedes are, you know, if you want to tell everybody you have money, you know, like there's all these different reasons, but it's not like they're like you go to the, the, the internets and they're like, this one is the best car. You shouldn't buy anything else. This is the best one. Right. That doesn't exist. Also, individual you know, experiences may vary. Mm-hmm. You can say the Toyotas are most reliable, and they've won awards for that. There's even awards for the cars, so you can kind of make yourself feel better in ranking them. But that's not to say you don't go get a Toyota and the thing's a lemon. Those things do exist as well. So I thought it was similar. Like everyone's looking for what's the best car, just like everyone's looking for what's the best paint when in reality you have to you have to more look inside of yourself mm. and say what do you want what what is like most lines up with how you paint or how maybe how you want to learn to paint, and then what are options that do that well mm what's most available to you um yeah, absolutely. Every car gets you from A to B. Every paint range gets you from an unpainted model to a painted model. Exactly. So yeah, I I, I definitely agree with the analogy. One of your better ones. Yes. One of your better ones for sure. Yes. I think uh, uh, I'll stop doing analogies now forever because yeah. I, I hit, the, I hit the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's anything more to say about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think the the big thing to me is like there's so much individuality in in this question to put a blanket statement over it, you can't because, like, if you go down and test things to determine which is better, it feels like there's a there's an innate bias in doing so. And I don't mean that like you're doing something wrong by doing this testing or you're wrong by making such a video, but I think that how you go about quantifying yes is going to be biased in what you include and you don't include there's also a certain amount of like scientific responsibility that you have to your audience to come up with a actual conclusion right right Right. if you phone it in and make claims your data is meaningless but people will not know that and they will listen to your advice and they will be upset when it does not match the experience that they were like maybe kind of promised yeah, and it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. Like, how do you measure viscosity of paint? Yeah, you in you a, you need way. you need scientific tools yes. designed to do that. Yes, you can try, and you can get like close, and you can factor in like a percent error and stuff like that. But like, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. You can't just like feel it out suss it out like there's a certain amount of that absolutely like how do you enjoy a paint range that's absolutely a a valuable thing to comment on but like to measure viscosity coverage like how strong the paint is once it's cured it's light fastness like how much it fades in sunlight and shit like that that requires like some some serious know-how and tooling right and I think for for most of us and how we actually go about using this, it's like freaking Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports does all that stuff for us. If you don't know what Consumer Reports is, you're not old like me. But it's it used to be you'd get this little this little magazine, look like a little Reader's Digest, and it did all these comparison testings within scientific labs that compared all the different dehumidifiers or. Blenders or vacuum cleaners and it tested them all and it gave them all individual rankings in these a dozen different things and cars were in consumer reports as well and then it just gave each of them a final score and then based on the final scores because they were all tested in they broke down how each scientific test was done. And how you fell into different ranges based on how you performed. So they did all of that work for you, and then at the end you got the numbers. And so it's kind of like the wire cutter is now, yeah. Um, but it was like before the internet. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> still around. You probably can go to consumerreports.com. dot com. Like, I think it is a website, yeah. Because whenever I search a thing that isn't a wire cutter article, that's what I get. I get yeah. a Consumer Reports website. Yeah, but they, they're uh, it's that kind of thing where like they do all the scientific work, so you don't have to. Nice. But if we're not doing all the scientific work to give you a conclusion, you should be careful about listening to us. Yeah. And I'll talk to myself in that. Like I will, you know, I'm not immune to that. I know that I'm not going to go through all those tests. So I think a better way to approach it is, and I think people are doing this. I think people that make these videos are doing this. We just need to listen a little bit differently because I think where most of us, myself included, I'm just listening for what's the right answer when in reality, what they're actually spending the 12 minutes of the video talking about is the pros and cons based on firsthand experience. Listen to those pros and cons. Figure out which ones will fit best in your painting style or in what you want your painting style to be because I think a lot of us, we get to paint not because... I do a ton of wet blending and a ton of two brush blending. So this is the paint I use. I don't think we buy paint based on that. I think what we do is what one works the best that will make me a better painter. So that's the one I want. And you know, better painter is such a generic approach to it. Yeah. I think the paint range that I pick is the one that gets the fuck out of the way the most. Yeah. Right. It's like, I want, I paint this way, I paint in this style with these colors, What do I have to mess with the least to accomplish that end result, right? Like, because everyone paints in a different way. Maybe you're painting with very opaque, distinct layers. Maybe you're glazing shadows on top of a mid-tone or, or on a highlight to get mid-tone and a shadow. Like, everyone's approach is different. And whatever paint doesn't feel, if a paint feels like an extension of your artistic body, that's the range for you, or whatever. Like. Not, you don't have to, So the thing is, you don't have to even stick to one range, right? Yeah. You could have multiple ranges that work for a variety of reasons. I have a lot of Scale 75 paints in my repertoire. I have a lot of uh, Chimera paints, a lot of Citadel paints. I have like, a few one-offs from like Army Painter, like washes and things like that. Like You're going to find a bunch of different products that work for you for their specific applications, and you're just going to hold on to those. You're going to make a little arsenal of products that work for you. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's an interesting idea is that Comparing paint ranges suggests that maybe you would just own one and one would be the best, but the reality is, is that you're going to own several because they all do things slightly different. But, yeah, for me, whatever gets out of the way the most is the one that I use. Yeah. I think what I'd recommend why I wish I did but I don't have the self-control to do it is, um, is find if there's a paint range that in- interests you or you're just like, I want to get a color – Find the color that excites you, right? It's like, I really want to get this bright-ass, vibrant turquoise. Um, oh, it looks like the Reaper has that color that really excites me. Get that, but don't get 12 Reaper paints. Get the one and see how it works for you. And then you'll kind of get an idea. And, you know, different colors in different ranges. Everyone's got clunkers. So yeah. this, this isn't a foolproof way to go about this, but like, you'll get the understanding of the properties at a general level, and you'll also have a color you look excited about the color, so you are going to use it. If you are like, okay, I really like that turquoise, but it's kind of a pain to use. Maybe I won't go back and buy more of that range. Maybe I'll look for other ranges that have a similar color when I need another color. So I like to to build out my my repertoire of paints I have based on needs of the color more than needs of the brand. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Otherwise, if you just get a bunch of different brands and a, bu- a bunch of different things, you end up with like seventeen neutral gray colors, and you're like, "Yeah, you never use those." Yeah, and it's like you're you're just overloaded with a bunch of paints you don't need because you've been like double dipping on stuff. Yeah, it's it's almost like I feel like I don't really have a true understanding of the consumer experience regarding this because you and myself are fortunate enough to have paint sent to us, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I want to paint something, I don't have to go ever and get paint. Like, there is something here that will work, like, guaranteed. And if not, I'm just being, like, a sassy or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you have a range, and that's just it, too. Like, you have a full paint range. There's not a very specific color. You can probably find and mix or get pretty close or be like – Okay, it's not a bright ass turquoise. It's a bright ass emerald. I'll mix in a little bit of blue with it. Yeah, you know. But I say that because I'm curious, like what you guys do. It's like I feel like th- what I would do is buy single paints, one offs for what I need for various jobs. Is that what is that what the goody peepees do? Can you comment below and let me know when you're looking for paint. Are are you trying to find that one range that's going to solve? Like ninety five percent of your issues, and then you're gonna like pick and choose like every like small ones every once in a while, or are you just building out your paint range over time slowly uh, per project and things like that? Let me know like your your paint buying patterns. I'm curious. Yeah. So to round up this question, I don't think it's wrong that these videos exist or that people have their opinions and, and place them whether on blogs or they're on on Facebook groups or whatever. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I just like, I, I worry that a little bit that we are reading into it in, in a way that's not intended to find a full ranking system rather than having the full list of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Let's not rank them one to ten. Let's show what the pros and cons are for each one. Yeah. And then let you decide at that. That's, that's kind of the way that I think is probably the healthiest way to approach it. That said, I'm sure sometime in the near or mid future, I'm going to do another video on paint now that I have even more ranges and stuff. But I like the approach that I did before, and I think I'll probably do something similar again, where I talk about all the different colors, specific paints that I use often and why I like them. Mm-hmm. and say, throughout this, you're actually going to learn a bit about these different ranges because I use different paints from different ranges and why I go back to these colors again and again, why I go back to this specific paint again and again. And you'll get to learn about some stuff that I think is good, but maybe you'll learn about how the ranges work in general. So I'm just vocalizing a video idea. <laughs> 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 He's workshopping it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, Let me go. Let me know. Is this, uh, is this sticking to the wall, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. That's what the podcast is for. It's a platform for us to figure out our video ideas for the next month. Yes. Next question why is lore important to mini war gaming? Slash is it important? I know for several episodes John has been pretty hateful on the lore part of the game, so I thought this would be a good pro and cons topic from Anthony. Anthony is one of our patrons. Uh, as part of our Trapped Under Plastic patronage, you get access to an extended episode, but you also get the opportunity to ask questions for topics. Thank you, Anthony, for your submission. <laughs> Oh, Submission. Finish him. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> why is lore important in mini wargaming? Is it important? Um, I think it's important. Next question. <laughs> uh, this is tricky. I think this is this is one of those questions where they're at. You don't know you're asking Anthony, but you're asking our opinion because each person knows. will. He knows. Okay. I I mean, uh, maybe my interpretation of this is that there's like a right answer and he's asking us what the right answer is. And and that I, I don't think a right answer exists. I think individually each of us has their own version, whether you think about it or not, of how valuable this is to you or not. So like when we talk about lore, can we like just forget about GW for a second and just like talk about like lore for a war game in general? Does that change how you think about it a little bit? A bit, yes. Okay, I'm gonna gonna give you an argument for why it's super valuable. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when you are making a game, you are world building, right? Mm -hmm. You see where this is going? You need, that's fine. Okay, I have this problem. This is an issue with me. I don't want to, like, mansplain anything to anyone ever. And so I feel like when I say something, I give away what my whole argument is going to be. And so oh. I don't want to, like, overexplain. Oh, it. no. No, go here. ahead. I'm really dumb, so it's uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, you're going. not dumb. You're not keep dumb. Going. I have an issue. Oh, no, no. Um, uh, don't worry about that with me. I'm, okay. I'm sitting here, like, excited. <laughs> I'm not actually processing to think, to, like, <laughs> to figure out what you're getting at. Okay. I'm just listening. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Like you're 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 building a world, a world with civilizations, with like hierarchies, like with all these different things. And you're also creating concepts for those those things, and then you're gonna make models from them and shit like that. So you need a roadmap to make sure everything makes sense. Because otherwise it's gonna seem very disjointed and all over the place. And I know that despite lore, this sometimes still happens, but I feel like Like when I was making those wood elf models for that, that campaign, even though it's just three figures, I had to figure out like a backstory for them because it gave me so many ideas for like the, like the future of the model range. And also like more ideas for how I could have changed those models to add on like details and things like that to like encourage that story that was being created for them. So I feel like lore really grounds a game aesthetically because it like tells you like what world you can exist inside because if you have endless bounds like that's all that's almost a roadblock one because you're like i don't even know where to start i know where to start i have an area to start i'm limited so i can i can think inside here i don't have to like go absolutely crazy Um, but two it, it just ensures that everything is like linked together through some kind of thread which then gives the game better cohesion in a way mm-hmm. or like you know so th- I think that's my argument for lore it's like a roadmap it's a world to live inside of creatively I think part of my issue with this is like the recent popularity of the word lore when uh, even as as recent as like 10 years ago at least from my exposure the, that word wasn't used it was referred to as the Tolkien universe. <laughs> or the Star Wars universe. Really? Yes. It wasn't talking about the lore. It was when I said the Star Wars universe, you thought, okay, how all of this works, all the history, all the characters, all the world, all the story, all the all that. That's and that is the lore. Yeah. But it's used in a way and maybe it's just nicer because like that word does it's a synonym Maybe it better describes it because the universe maybe is a little bit too generic, but that's just not a word that was used. And then my exposure and upbringing of the popularity of the word lore was related to things that I was frustrated with. So I think the term itself has a negative connotation to me. Yeah. Also, it's a bit of a joke. Like, obviously, you like fantasy stories that in some way is a kind of lore. Like, Yes, it's, we're just, it, it, we're it is. We're making the lore. and And I think about it, I like to equate it to things like, Um, Obviously, novels and and book series is, is really, really important, but like movies and video games as well. I think it's a sliding scale, and I think it also depends on what you want to get out of the game. If I want to play a game that's super interactive, that's super tight from a rules perspective, it's really, really fun, it's really engaging, every time I finish up a game, I want to schedule my next game, or I want to rack them up again, And play another game. If a game is like that, the lore doesn't have to be very strong for me. If the game is fucking fun. uh, Yeah. I would even go so far as to say the lore is completely unrelated to that kind of experience. And I totally agree with you. If I want to play again, a game ever again, it is not because of the setting or the lore or anything like that. It's because the experience was awesome, which is normally because the rules are great. Right. Yeah. Now, I think Miniature Wargame is a unique thing here because if we're talking about a game like Magic the Gathering, I don't give a fuck about Magic lore. (laughs) The game is super fucking fun. And I don't have to deal with the lore for help me to make decisions. Same thing with certain kinds of video games, right? Like, I don't give a shit about Total Lore. Come on now. Uh, Yeah, it's ridiculous. gives a shit. However... With miniature war games, it's different because so much of the hobby experience has nothing to do with sitting at the table and playing the game. How am I picking which war band I want? How do I decide how I want to paint them? How do I decide like, like what's their story or how am I making mine unique to me? Mm-hmm. And that really often will tie very heavily into the lore. Right? What's the art direction of this game? Yep. What's the way that they've d- described the world and shown their own the own world art that they've shown off to it. Like how do they describe the factions and how they've interacted? Why are they here? What is their goal? All these kinds of things. That's all world building universe of this game and it's lore. And that's why I think the miniature games are a little bit different. And where you fall in that spectrum of how much you dig into that to help you make the decisions on what to play is totally a, a, an individual decision-making process. You could say, I want to play Iron Jaws because these are badass, big, strong orcs with nasty-ass armor. That's all I fucking care about. I do not care why. I do not care the what their mama's backstory was. I want to play badass orcs. Yeah. I don't give a shit about lore. And that's awesome. But there's also people that, like, they need to figure out the story of how the Seraphon dealt with the cosmos and fucking live forever. And they're actually aliens and not dinosaurs. They like that. People like that. That's cool. Please don't read into that too much because it's fucking ridiculous. But, yeah. (laughs) That's the game. It's a bit of a that's trip. Why, that's why I like that, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I think... I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, shoot. Shoot. So, shoot. Has lore ever adjusted the way that you thought about an army to the point where it had a positive or negative effect on your opinion of that army? You know, you saw the miles, you're like, meh, whatever. Then you heard the lore, and you were like, either, oh, I'm kind of interested, or eh, they kind of suck even more now. Because mm. I have one... That definitely that has done that for me for. Okay, so apparently this one got me excited with, like, hobbying ideas. Yeah. I've yeah, done yeah. anything with it yet, but it, it changes it to me a lot. Hold on. I think I know exactly what you're going to say because it's my answer, too. Oh, shit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. If orcs believe a thing. <laughs> okay, no, it's not that. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, go on. If orcs believe a thing to be. It is. <laughs> I believe, therefore I am. Yes. I believe this toaster will shoot melt fire <laughs> So they fucking nail it to the end of a stick, put a little trigger on the end. That pulls and the they toast hold out. it up. They pull the toast out. <laughs> and a an whole fucking melt-a-gun comes out of the end of the toaster. Yeah, yeah. They believe that's what, it, therefore it is. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah, That's yeah. hilarious. Because that gives me so many crazy, stupid-ass ideas. Yeah. Um. Of like why they deal with like the stupid like crazy wild looking scrap metal shit that they built. Yes. Is because they believe that, that will that will fly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is fantastic. My thought was the flesh eater quartz. Okay. They have, they have the coolest fucking backstory for an army that that makes me want to like that army more than yes. I do. Despite their like kind of the exact same sculpt multiplied ten times throughout the range. Um so yeah. Does lore matter from a gameplay perspective for me and John personally? No, it doesn't. But to avoid having a Dota Two like design aesthetic in your miniature war game where you have 90 heroes that make no fucking sense together at all. Having some kind of world to live inside really links everything aesthetically, at least in some way that's explainable um, easily. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some value in that sense. Yeah. You, 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 Different people there's different strokes for different folks. There we go. That's the line. Mm-hmm. Right? And different people will find their their jamba juice in different areas. And so jamba juice, eh? Yeah, you get that jamba juice, okay. man. Direct into the veins. You get that little boba tea. To get the bobas right in the veins. Yeah, get the bobas a in the veins. cardiac arrest because you can't have any blood flow. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, well. You got that boba juice. You don't need blood. A little tapioca ball in there. Uh, <laughs> and actually choke on one. <laughs> you ever done that? Actually suck one through the straw and it like, yeah, hits your throat. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you ever eaten a piece of steak and like... It's connected by a sinew, and you swallow one half of it. It's dangler down there. Yeah, it's dangling down your throat while the rest of it's still in your mouth. But it's too big to swallow both pieces, and you're just kind of like sitting there in this like this holding pattern where you're like, "Do I choke right yes. now or try to breathe?" Bro, it's 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 cliffhanger starring Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> you are fucking hanging over a mountain, little tripwire, and you're holding on. Like holding on my one arm, you're yeah. like, Don't let go <laughs> That's what the steak's saying in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? I don't wanna go down there. <laughs> right, right. It's like, man, but if I swallow both of these, one, that one piece is still pretty big, I might <laughs> choke to death on it. And two, I haven't got to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really chewed the other one in my mouth still. But I don't have like the the mechanisms in my my pharynx. <laughs> That's not a word That <laughs> allows it to, I don't have like a little Like electro scissors That can just snip That little thing And that's let it go need. down Yeah I know I was a cyborg That's the first upgrade I get bro, I need little, little scissors. Serv- I need a little servos Inside of me That'll just like yeah, bro, 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 yeah, Come around yeah, me yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 Chop it up Little mechanical spiders that will just crop my throat And be like chop. Yeah it's that thing From Toy Story That's the little Mechanical spider legs <laughs> With a baby head at it. <laughs> I want one of those In my body <laughs> Sounds very unhealthy. I mean, if it do- if it does the work of good, yeah, <laughs> the work of good, right? Because that's the story about that that crazy had baby. Like it looks right. super scary, but it actually was like super nice. There you go. See, the lore changed how you felt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. I mean, different people. Like, there are people that play video games to enjoy the story, and I'm like, I don't know what kind of animal you are. I don't- I've don't. i never seen you in the wild. But- okay, okay. What kind, of, what kind of gamer are you? Are you the kind of gamer who plays one game for 10 years and gets really good at it, or do you play, like, 10 games in one year to enjoy them all? Um, or where are you in that universe? That's a fucking deep cut here. I know. I want to be, and I have been like my foundational roots of video gaming is a fucking no lifer yeah right yeah right like that's it is like i played i played everquest for 10 years yeah and i quit playing everquest for world of warcraft which i played for like five years (laughs) and then i was like there was no fucking good games like i'm always i'm searching i'm searching for the game that i can go balls deep into and i've been on that search again for the last I don't know, ten years. You like, haven't found one. I haven't found one. I, I, got my, I got my fingers crossed. And this is, a, this is a game that no one's ever going to probably have heard of and have no interest in playing. But there is, there is potential. And if this game dies, I will die inside. What is it? It's called. Oh my god. People can call me a giant nerd. It's called Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. Okay. It's RPG. A, it's an MMO that's made in the style of the MMOs of old. Okay. None of this this bullshit auto queuing, auto party. None of this. None of this fucking getting gen chat. Yeah, no, yeah, find somebody. None of this fucking TPing wherever you want, whenever you want. LFG. Uh-huh. Hey, you got you got to work with the community to survive. There it is. This is fucking old man fucking game. <laughs> So it's still, it's still. I don't even know if it'll see the light of day, but it, I, I'm pretty confident they've got another 2.4 million dollar investment this last week. I'm pretty, I like, I like Wow, all, you're like, I, I follow the news, reading the Forbes articles about Pantheon Rise of the Fall and Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so that's it. Like I've. And w- my console gaming side, like I would play a game to like suck every drop from its marrow. Okay, you know, back in the day, the Final Fantasies, the Castlevania Symphony of the Nights, mm. you know, the the Metal Gear Solids. So that that was my thing. But games these days, I don't know if I'm just like I just suck or I just like I have little time. And I think with a lot of games, like you have to you have to um, invest. A consistent amount, like you got to play at least an hour a day. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, oh, yeah. I, I just lose interest. Oh, yeah. I like that with way with Elden Ring. I was that with V Rising. Whatever. It's like Sad. I'm really excited. I play it hard for like a week, and then like something happens. I'm really busy with with a video or something. And it's like I don't play it for four days, and it's like I got no drawback to it. I just like it didn't get his hooks in me. Mm. So I basically beat V Rising. Yeah, I have like the best gear, but I haven't killed all the bosses yet. But I'm working on it. Oh yeah. So yeah. my game, if I had infinite time to play a game. Dota is obviously up there, but for an FPS cuz I have a lot of uh, history playing FPSs, I would love to like get my get my time spent in Overwatch. Oh. That game seems so fucking cool. But... Isn't that game dead? Um, I don't know. I know that the community had a lot of problems with how Blizzard was dealing with it. Um, and I know also that they are just coming out with an, another Overwatch, Overwatch 2. Um The Deuce? Yeah, which seems kind of weird cuz like you have like CS:GO which has been like a game for like a fucking decade. And they just keep, you know, making it better, tweaking it slightly. Um, and then Overwatch 2 comes out. It's like, are you really going to change the game so much that it requires a whole ass new version that I have to buy? I don't see say, I don't know if it's dead, but the game seems really cool and crunchy, and I would love it. Bro, have you ever met somebody in real life that plays CSGO on the reg? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good we keep them in a little cage. <laughs> they don't leave they don't leave the house very often. Yeah, we don't we don't they're they're good. Let them keep doing their thing. We're less of a threat to society that way. <laughs> Um, I now, feel like CS:GO joking. is the Dota 2 of FPSs. Yeah, it's it's for it's for people that are they're you know they're really attached. They're good. mean yeah, hardcore. Dude. No lifers, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. the game you fucking play. You're super good at. Yeah, the game is the game is mechanically solid. No one's worried about the fucking lore of CS:GO. Yeah, yeah. The, See, I'm, I'm bringing it back in. There are bombs. <laughs> you plant them and you disarm them. That is fucking it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. It's you shoot. You do boom headshots. All right. Next question. From Tommy Toenail, Tommy Toenail, he's, what a name, he's bro! A, he's a fucking gangster. I dude. assume he's from Jersey. Yeah, e hey, yeah. hey, Tommy Toenails, how, where you coming at? How, how do you get that? How do you get that name? Does he eat his victims' toenails? I mean, everyone's got a nickname. It's got, to, it's got to, it's got to, it's got to have alliteration in it. Tommy Toenail. Yeah, I assume Tommy Toenail. Uh, there was a story like you're all hanging out at the pool hall one night, and it was a couple one too many. Soda pops and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tommy Toenail that tells, always gets me, dude. Tells a story about you know he met a girl and licked her toenail and that was it, dude. Game they over, heard dude. they heard that you fucked up, Tommy. Licked her toes and they call her Tommy Toenail. Bam, that's good. He's got a foot thing. You know, that's it. I assume that's the obvious reason why. Sorry, Tommy, if that's not the real reason, but that's the reason the world knows. No, <laughs> Tommy Toenail. Okay, what's the actual question? Hi, chaps. Love the show, and thanks for all the content. It'd be great to hear your thoughts on taking inspiration from outside the miniature painting hobby, where you have drawn inspiration from, e.g. fine art, street art, comics, and how do you translate effects and techniques from another medium into miniature painting? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So inspiration can come from all over the place. Yeah. It can be like something that's very close to the thing you're already doing or something that's totally different. Uh, I had a vid- an idea for a video watching uh, Plasmo paint a Formula One car. Okay. So he's putting on decals. He's putting on varnish. He's polishing. He's putting on what? Decals. Dickles. Yes, he's putting on the dickles. Got it. And uh, he's like varnish and polishing he's getting it to the point where you can't see the beginning and the end of the the, the decal, dickle dickle
1: yeah.
0: uh you know how that works so i was like i want to do that for a space marine i want to paint a space Marine where i put decals all over the model hit it with varnish polish it varnish polish until the model is entirely glossy it's literally just a base coat but it doesn't matter if it has highlights and shadows on it, because it's the glossiest motherfucking thing in the world. Okay, okay. Just for the power armor. For other parts, I can do different things. But what, what, what would that look like? You know, super shiny Space Marine. Um, he looks like a he looks like a like a NASCAR where there's just logos over a fucking everything. <laughs> well, not that crazy, but like yeah, like some shoulder stuff, maybe some knee stuff. Not super crazy. So that in that situation, inspiration came from a model kit painting video. It's like very similar. But it also can come from like I don't know, toaster ovens. We're back to the Yorks and the toasters. Yes. <laughs> um, I think one one thing that really helps me um, and I have to remind myself of this too, is to just be more present. I think that's just overall is a helpful thing as a person. I mean, you you you're a better person, so don't be such a shitty person. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's talking to himself right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. John, fucking up. Uh, just be present. In Absorb, in the real world, it's a great place for that, right? And so being able to walk down the street and you see a uh, fire hydrant and where they, they screw on the, the fire hydrant things on the side it's all rusty so you get to see what red paint looks like and which, where there's like seven layers of this red paint so there's cracks in it and whatever and then where the rust meets and what the streaking looks like as it goes down like in the real world because what we're doing is we're painting to try to mimic reality mm-hmm. so reality is really the, the the best muse we have because no matter we're playing painting fantasy science fiction these otherworldly things how we're still approaching them are at, like, at a micro level, at an individual surface level, are directly relatable to real things in the real world mm. that we can touch and see. So like, analyzing the real world is, I, like, I find I get the most inspiration on in, in how to achieve something technically from that. And I take a lot of pictures of stuff where I just like, remind myself of like, I'm, I'm trying to approach something and be like, what's an example of this? Oh, it'd be like a sheer dress. Okay, let me look up pictures of a sheer dress and see how it actually looks because our brain likes to have visuals of a vast number of things, but most of them, it keeps them at a low resolution so you can keep so many of them. So when you picture sheer dress, like in your head, you don't actually look at it in your mind's eye what it actually looks like. It gives you like a generic version of it. Mm. So re-referencing real pictures or real life. You know, just go to the... JCPenney, just walk around and look for a lady in the dress. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? I was like, if you hang outside the dressing room, eventually a lady would come out no. wearing a sheer dress and you take a picture. But <laughs> don't do that. Do not listen to that advice. Don't do that. Um, you know, just find real world examples. So that's from a. Micro- Google Images. Don't be a fucking creep. <laughs> that's a micro level. Macro level, like. The color schemes and ambiance and environment and that kind of thing. Um, there, there's just so much wild stuff out there that's beyond the kind of the miniature scope stuff. You know, and that's like looking at storyboards from like art, mo- from movies and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, I'll do something in this neon post-apocalyptic 80s inspired universe. Like, oh, I'm going to go look up some Blade Runner shit. There you, go. you know, like. Find find stuff out there like movies are a great way, um, you know, and also like comic books and stuff like that. It's like you you can go down a hole to really find stuff that you had no idea you were looking for. But it's like you have to like set aside time for yourself to do that. Yeah, I think it's really important to ask the question constantly. How can I apply this to miniature painting? Everything we're looking at everything. Just ask that question constantly. Make it a routine to ask that question because you will find. Very interesting answers to those questions. And that will like change the way the hobby looks for you. Like I was at an art fair and this person had like like, dune art. And the way it was constructed was a picture frame of multiple Z depth layers. So like the further away it got from me, there were more layers. And each layer was a frame that had some kind of paper craft art in it that was 2D. And over the shadow box. Yeah, like a shadow box, like a deep shadow box. And over the course of 20 layers, it built a 3D object because the layers were combining together to make a sandworm or something like that. Uh, okay, okay. And so I was like, could I make a backdrop for miniature painting that was one of these boxes? Where the further away it got, I could have one frame that have like a tree on it. You know, I could even like put bark on this 2D element to make it look like it was a little bit more 3D. And the further away it got, I could just use paper because it's like kind of like really far away and it's like dark and you can't really see the 3D shape of it. I can make like a frame that would then like look super cool when I took a photo from that front angle. It would have like that whole 3D depth thing in the background. It'd be really awesome. That's like the next level of what Roman Lapot's doing with the picture frame. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so like you have the, still the dynamic, the ability, because you're kind of working in two dimensions of how you pose the figures, and you don't need the entire figure to create a scene, whatever. You have that, but then it's like like yeah. 12 layers deep behind them of the environment. Yeah, and the first ones can start out more detailed and specific. You can get less detailed the further away it gets. That's and then the, the background could even be a little bit hollow. Put some white paper back there, kind of light it interestingly. Boom. You have like a really awesome, really cool, deep... Backed up for your model. Yeah. So in that very last layer, you just have this little goblin head poking out. Just yeah. a little bit. You can hardly see him. And he's like, mm-hmm. toasty. <laughs> Where's does he say? Toasty? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He gives us a little Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking... I like it. G Fuel's messing with me, <laughs> man. Uh Graffiti, great place to find like color palette inspiration. Uh, John turned me on to the idea of using comic books to find Pose inspiration, yes. um, because oftentimes miniature painting is all about capturing that snapshot, that Sports Illustrated front cover like pose of your model. He's not just kind of standing there; he or she isn't standing there and just being like a normal ass person. They're like they're like Blade here, who's like riding down on a wisp of shadow, about to slay whatever zombie thing is under these floor tiles. Um, so it's like they're very cool poses, and like there are so many cool poses out there, and comic books definitely kind of inspire that quite a bit. Yeah. I feel like that has come, a even in the, the short history, especially with dealing with, with um, digital sculpting, that miniatures have come a long way with dynamics and posing. Mm. Um, obviously, Marvel Crisis Protocol is a great example of it because they are literally comic book characters that yeah, yeah, yeah. needs to fit the war <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just, uh, had a little Willow moment there. Where I, like, it turned it into, Willow! <laughs> it turned into a fucking sheep. You idiot! <laughs> 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 oh, um. But anyway, back to Willow. So, <laughs> yeah. So there's uh, there's a bunch of that. Like they've worked with that with Marvel Cross Protocol. But you've seen it. Like even the history of like Games Workshop of them going from everything was sculpted in green stuff to like really understanding and embracing the technology of of ZBrush or the online sculpting, digital sculpting, of having more drama and dynamic poses in their models. And so so I just look for models like that. When I'm thinking about kit bashing or like changing stuff, it doesn't take that much to change an angle of the hips to use some some bending of the knee or something with an arm up or down a little bit. And it can look so much better with very minimal changes. So, you know, if you want to make your lieutenant sergeant or whatever the fuck you call them like to be slightly cooler now the days they got a lot more movement in them but but and now and again they fucking show new model stuff like this how i feel about this new goddamn war crime models new goddamn war crime models there's so much there's like standing there like, goddamn he-man i'm like you have the technology you fucks <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility games workshop <laughs> Listen to fucking Uncle Ben. <laughs> was that quote from Spider Man? Yes. It's from, from the, it's the original. original Spider Man with Toy Group Wire, the movie. Yes. Not the it's comic book. I, actually, I don't know that, but like it became like that quote was like the biggest fucking takeaway of that movie. It was. It's fucking primo scene. That bone Bonesaw. Yep. Bone Uh you can also get inspiration from other board games. I, I would I would recommend you use Google Slides. I'm a huge fan of the G Suite. Um, but Google Slides is the presenting, you know, pro presenter version of Google stuff. And that has a really great way to resize images, even on your phone, on mobile. And so you can, like, make slides of, like, similar things. Like, say you want, like, a weapon mood board. You can have a weapon slide. You want like a facial expression mood board or a color mood board you can have a slide for that you can also add comments to each image you add to say where it came from or what you like about it so if you want a a nice free piece of software that's like very easily uh available check out google slides um i uh i have my own vampire mood board on google slides that i will never show anyone because it's precious to me and all these ideas are my ip they're not actually. They're IP I sold from other people. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you use TikTok at all, you, all of China is looking at that. Damn it! Slides. So thought I got away with it. Yeah. Well, that's they, they watch your information. Ooh. They will get it if you like it or not. Um, that's good. I just downloaded Google Slides right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really easy to add photos into it and to make them bigger and smaller. It Just like chucks it in there and. You're... It even has like snapping, so like if you have like a picture in there already, you can resize it and snap right to the size of it. Auto snap, yeah. So it makes it it makes really easy. I don't love auto snap when I'm uh, when I'm video editing, but I like it. (laughs) Can't get in the way quite a bit. Yeah, she's like, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want you to be there. Let me, let me control. I know what's right for me. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, computer, computer, computer. Um, yeah, I think, I think to me, at the end of the day inspiration is just that like trying to like get somebody else to get inspired about something is not the way to do it. Just like, you know, I think the everyday life thing is, I really think that's valuable because I found the more that I do that, the more I actually am present and you're not like getting your fucking head out of your phone and stuff like that. And just appreciating things in the real world. If you do it from an art perspective and what's going to help you mini painting all the better. But in terms of like what excites you, what kind of, what kind of searches you do, what kind of, paint style or graffiti or environmental crazy lore shit you find like just lean into what excites you because if that's going to get you to sit down and paint more that's what's important Out of the news we got some lovely news items here newsy our, news today from our writer Mr. Kid <laughs> Mr. Kid Mr. Kid I miss Billy the Kid I know I was ah, that's what it reminded me of Um Golden Demon is back in the UK, but with a slight twist. It's limited ticketing. This is this 700, 800? I oh, don't know. It's not very many. Okay, because, like, I heard Aiden talking about how many entries they had to judge, and I thought, this sounds crazy, but I thought it was in the 1000s Mm-hmm. So, now, that doesn't mean, so one person can show up with three things, right? So, having 2,000 entries in GD does not mean that 2,000 people are showing up. So is seven hundred or eight hundred gonna be an is, is are are the tickets for entries or are they for for bodies? That's to that's to be able to attend. Okay. Which means if what? I'm not if yes, if I'm not going to actually enter anything, I wanna go look at them, I use up a ticket. Wow. But if I get there before Angelo DiCello does he doesn't get to go. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. You need to get over your goddamn selves and actually put on an event that is worthy of all the people that want to go. Like, it bother- it boggles my fucking mind that Adepticon, you got to see how fucking awesome that is. You're going to have more people. You're going to have more of a GW-focused thing. You're going to have more entries in the UK, but you want them to... It just bugs I'm um, sorry. Yeah. It bugs me. It I think bugs me. What he's trying to say without raging <laughs> is if it's a space limitation, find a better fucking space. If it's an employee limitation, hire some more people or train some more people on how to like judge and stuff like that. Like you, you, You have the power to make this thing be as big and magnificent as it needs to be for everyone to enjoy it at its max potential. Don't phone it in. You know? Uh, that's just kind of how it feels. Tickets are, what, 20, they are 25, no, no, 15 British pounds a piece, about 20 US dollars. Um, which, that's normal, right? Yeah. But I guess you don't have to pay to get in Adepticon. You have to pay if you want to be in an event. So if you want to see them, you have to pay to be there. No, you have to get, like, a day pass to go to Adepticon. No, you don't. You can walk that thing. Okay. Uh, as of COVID, yes, but that is not how I used to work. Oh, you could walk the vendor hall, look at the models without paying. You could go all. upstairs, see the GD cases Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess that's different now. If, I'm sure it's a, it's like a fire hazard thing. It's a it's a how many people are allowed in the Warhammer World Complex? Yeah, that might be a yeah. I'm I'm I mean maybe that's not the only reason, but that's certainly a limitation. Like you you can't legally have more people than that there. Sure. sure. Um, it's like you put it in a bigger place, man. There's yeah. Like, they got a huge campus over there in Nottingham. They can probably find a building. If they can, they can rent one. Yeah, find it make it work. I, I like I'm probably over exaggerating in that every single painter that wanted to enter something for Golden Demon will get to. If one person doesn't, it's a problem. If they were able to make the trip, they had put in the hundred hours to paint their space marine. They named him Jim. They said Jim Jimmy. This is probably not the best space marine ever painted, Jim. But you're my gym and I worked hard, and I'm going to show up, and you're, you're going to get to be in the case. Yeah. I took my, you know, I took a day off of work. I'm going to stay with a buddy, or I'm going to rent a hotel, or I'm just going to make a day of it, or whatever I'm going to do. If I want to do that, and I can't do that, that's not okay because people have. This has just been announced this week. The, they announced it like a week before tickets went on sale. People have been painting for this shit for two years. They didn't get to make a decision based on how, if they were going to enter Golden Demon based on this information because it was not shared until a week before the goddamn thing. And so there's a chance you you might not get there. And maybe that won't be the case at all and they'll be just fine. But I got to imagine there's gonna be more than 800 people that are going to want to go that aren't even painting stuff. Yeah. It should be, if you entered for GD, you were able to go there and put your thing in the case If nothing else. Even if you don't get to like do whatever, whatever you should be able to enter in the competition. If you painted something for it and it boggles my mind that that's not a possibility. It's kind of sad. So they're making it some kind of like hobby weekend thing as well. So like when, what you're paying for also gets you access to whatever that event entails. Um, I guess the consolation prize here is that Golden Demon kind of happens like two to three times a year. So if you do miss one opportunity, you'll be able to go hopefully to a future one. That being said, it doesn't come to your individual country probably more than once a year. Yeah. So you're probably waiting for a year if you're not planning on traveling to enter Jimbo into. A- Poor fucking. Sp- <laughs> we need justice for Jim. <laughs> justice <laughs> for Jim. That's the hashtag trending about ticketed <laughs> golden demon events. Justice for Jim. Hey, so, yeah, so like, uh, man, I'd fucking love it if we get to the point where golden demons are fucking. You know, pumping the roids hardcore and we you know, it's like we now have a Chicago one, we got a California one. Okay. Pumping the roids means there are more of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a Hamburg one. (laughs) There's a fucking Hamburg. one at the vatican and shit <laughs> like i i want this you know i'm gonna be like oh i'm going to the cambodian golden demon y'all and you'd be like fuck yes okay. like i would love that but that's not the reality there's this one in the uk and there's one in the u.s and i may be able to to drive down from london take a day off of work to take space marine gym for that that's not the same as well you can just go to chicago I, I i you can't expect people to do all that mm-hmm. so that's that's just my thought on that so i hope i'm wrong i hope it's amazing that's awesome they're doing a full weekend yeah i i'm i'm all for that them making this bigger but if you're gonna make it bigger then you need to you know nut up yeah you know you need to be like look we're gonna rent a big fucking convention center yeah like you know what because as cool as your weekend is it ain't fucking Adepticon, buddy. <laughs> Not even fucking close. So if you're going to do this, then you got to do it. Otherwise, Adepticon is always going to just teabag your ass. So. <laughs> <clears throat> we got a new edition of Warcry coming out, which adds some fun rules. You talked about this earlier. Apparently, there are now reactions in Warcry. You know what, GW? Just I think the theme we're seeing here is that you're kind of just halfway to greatness. Just make it alternating activations. Warcry is alternating activations. Well, then what the fuck are the reactions for? He's like, sometimes you chuck a spear at me, and I'm like, fucking ninja moves me. The reaction is I get to go after he just chucked the spear. No, no, no. Bro, you don't know how to fucking deflect arrows? Like, if a bro has deflect arrows of capabilities, it doesn't mean, like, you shoot me in the head with the arrow, and then the next turn there's an arrow stick out of my head, and I go... (laughs) <laughs> well, one would assume the deflecting of the arrow is like the armor save of the model. No, no. It's a special ability. Okay. Special ability. Like yeah, that is the armor. But it's like, what if you shoot an arrow at me and I like catch it and I do a 180 and I let go again and I just do like like a cartoon pipe with a U shape and it shoot, shoots back at you. Sick. That's not in my turn, baby. That's in your turn. Okay. I, I actually haven't read the rules yet to know if this is cool <laughs> or not, but um, I think I like stuff in... Uh, in a, happening in opponents' turns, if you keep it minimal, you yeah. got to keep it tight. Otherwise, the games go like c- go to a crawl, right? Like there's too much shit. Everybody's worrying about what you're doing in alt in the other person's turn. It's like there's one or two things. My little bits of yeah, I got to do this thing. So yeah, I would. I've never played War Cry, but I'd love to know how it feels having reactions and alternating activations. That seems like a bit too much. That's so what they do. They do that in guild ball. You, I guess, yeah. You're referring to like momentous plays and things like that. Like I get plus one defense when you charge me. But I don't know. Like, like, is that no, a reaction? You, you ended within two inches of me. I get to do a, a four-foot or four-inch dodge or whatever. Sure, yeah. That Those that. are reactions to... A triggered action Right I'd be interested to see How GW implements it In this game Yeah Because I think it was Done really well In Guild Ball Because it was There was not a lot of them Yeah it's And it's a, a very short thing Yes And it wasn't like There was a ton of complexity In your decision making There's already a lot of complexity In that game To helping you You don't want it To where there's too many variables In every possible decision You could make that it just Slows everything down Right You get a little analysis paralysis Kind of it thing is. going on It's like okay That guy's got arrow chucking Right If I shoot an arrow <laughs> yeah. at him He's gonna be like Shuck it right back It's like yeah. I ain't shooting an arrow at that guy It's <laughs> the only thing I need to worry about Okay <laughs> Done Or my gnome And relic blade That was just Shitting on you constantly Got to worry about that guy, too. Fuck that gnome. That gnome. Goddamn was. garden gnome with a sniper rifle. Goddamn all-star, dude. Speaking of lore, goddammit, Sean Sutter. it, Sean Sutter. He's <laughs> like this awesome-ass fantasy world with these crazy-ass, really interesting animals and monsters and all this stuff, and there's a fucking garden gnome with a sniper rifle. What the fuck world are we living in, Sean? Sean Sutter doesn't give a shit about your opinions about lore. Uh-huh. I know, because Sean Sutter's over there eating the mushrooms in the garden with the gnomes, and he had this idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, hey, Gnome, buddy, you want to be my game? i just, ta- just talking shit because I lost the goddamn Garden Gnome. I love that game, though. <laughs> I want to play that game so much again. Yeah. I want a big, sweet-ass board of that game. Yeah, dude, just, like, all built out and yeah, customized and everything. That would be sick. All right, more interesting than Warcry, though, and also Garden Gnomes and not rifles. <laughs> Privateer Press announces a new edition of War Machine? Bro, War Machine Mark Mark IV? Mark IV? It's just a guy named Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing this before we started the podcast, but both of us kind of thought that P three was dead and gone. Not P, th- not Privateer Press. Oh, no, all of it. Okay, P three. I thought they were on the on the down. P three stands for I don't. Know, I just learned this like six months ago because I'm an idiot. P three stands for Privateer Press Paint. Yeah. Oh, but isn't that the whole company that owns War Machine too? Privateer Press is the company that owns War Machine and Hordes. And the paint range, obviously. There, yes. And the P3 okay. stands for Privateer Press Paint. My bad. Okay. okay. Privateer Press. Okay. Privateer Press. I don't know. What happened to them? What I happened? Don't, I don't know. Broken Anvil was stealing all their employees. What ha- happened? What happened, guys? Your paint range disappeared from stores, but now you got a new version of your game coming out? Simplified gameplay. There like, is a. T- uh, t- what? T- 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 There's beta t- rules and a change document available for download now. I know they've added like new faction and new models because I've seen some of the hot box art from Eric Swinson. Are they? Are they? Are they? Walkers yes. that are like this with big hunchbacks? Yes, kind of. I mean, they're, they're, they they live in that guys. same world. They have the same lore, but they don't look the same. <sharp> <sharp> they okay. look kind of cool. They look yeah. kind of cool. Check okay, it out. Good, <sharp> good. Check it out. Check it out. I I but so I guess I did know the game was still around because they were releasing models that I saw Eric had painted. Okay it makes point. sense that they'd come up with a new edition. I mean, some people like we still have like a a, a small scene of people that play War Machines. You do at in Rochester? It's not a very big city. It's like people really like the game. If like if you like the game, you like the game. I've heard of that it's similar to Guild Ball, but I don't know. If that's just because they use gauges for measurement. <laughs> uh-huh. You roll dice. <laughs> yeah. You have gauges. Yeah. <laughs> Ergo. Guild Ball uh, <laughs> no, so yeah I don't know how similar it is but it's definitely a game on my list to try for sure there's soccer balls. No wait, <laughs> balls. soccer balls and robots. <laughs> soccer balls. So yeah, you know that that's in the newsy news, and it is, I, I believe that that's worthy of, of discussing. The, yeah. the microphone is slowly sliding away. So I was like, "Help me, help me, help, help me. me!" I'm back. We also got a new Bolt Action starter set: A Gentleman's War with Africa Corps and Eighth Army, and everything you need to start up a game, a campaign in the Western Desert Theater. Oh yeah, like the old uh, the West Africa um, battlefront. World mm-hmm. War Two. Dude, shout out to people who play historical war games. At some point, I'm gonna give it a shot. But John kind of just turned me off of them earlier before the podcast. Well, oh, I said you already play one. You play Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's just basically. a fucking historical game. This is white dudes versus white dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a whole fucking game. Yeah, Sounds about right. I mean, there's one thing of giants. There's a couple of dragons, but they're only for one faction. And then can't you be? Can you be the the fucking zombie dudes, the White Walkers. White Walkers, can I you think be that's the first question everyone asks, and the answer is no. <laughs> you can't even be the thing that's not people. Nope uh, I and mean, they like have to make that faction at some point, don't they? It seems like they have to. But no, but. they're just gonna keep bringing out more white dudes. Yeah, I mean, they they are called White Walkers. That's pretty <laughs> on brand. Right, 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 right. I mean, they got they have the like the art assets of they like for the show and stuff. They've made a very specific look to them. Which when I first saw that after reading the books, I was like, that doesn't look nearly as cool as it looked like in my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, you're not that far. Thank you. You're so, not that far. What far. you're saying is I don't have to play Flames of War or bold Action? No, you know, you should because it's probably like more respectable than Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, respectable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The game does look fun. We, I played the, the demo and I did have fun. You played the demo for... Talking about fire. Oh, I thought we were playing for one of these, uh, these uh, historical games. No, I did not. I did not have a gentleman's war, but I would have a nice, like I'd have a ma- monocle and a cane if I played a gentleman's war. Yeah, yeah. I just want to try it out because I'm like interesting. I'm interested in what kinds of rules they use, how it's different than other typical marriage war games that I normally play. Like everyone's got something to offer, and so I want to know. I want to know what this historical games have to offer. You, you want it all? I do want it all. You have anything else in the newsy news? Nah, nothing else. Nope. That's literally all the news. Everything that's happened in the world as we know it between now and last episode you've just heard about. All right. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for sticking around all the way until the end. Listening to us hammer on about nonsense and bullshit. Bullshit. Can I talk about one more bullshit thing real quick? Absolutely. Fucking Italian restaurants. Okay. So (laughs) here's the deal, right? I I don't know about you. But I don't really like going to nice Italian restaurants unless they make their own noodles, okay? Because, like, there's a couple of nice Italian restaurants in my town. went to a new one for the first time in the last week. That's why I'm bringing this up. They don't make their own goddamn noodles. I can make fucking spaghetti at home, bros. Like, I buy the same dried spaghetti that you're fucking using, and you're going to charge me $23, I hate it. I think it's stupid. I think they're ripping us off. I think, yes, the marinara can be quite good, but unless I'm getting that fresh-ass noodles, I don't like your stupid Italian restaurant. That's all I got to say about that. There's more to Italian cuisine than just nudes, though. I mean... I feel like there's nothing they can make there that I can't make there unless we're getting into like also buco stuff. Then I'm, I'm all about that. But like Chicky Chicky Parm Parm, like I can make that myself. A good meatball or Italian sausage, that ain't fucking hard. Like an actual like a really good marinara, I can, I can hold you to that. Like that that's that can be really good. But honestly, of all the restaurants you go out to, it's like I do this. I go and spend my money here because I can't make this at home. I can make skeddy and meatballs, yo. Okay. I can't make I can't make a fucking you ch- know general Sal's chicken. No. I'm not good enough at that. What about tiramisu? Are you a tiramisu man? Tiram- tiramisu. Yeah, ladyfingers. Oh, that, that's fucking hard work. Yeah. It's delicious. But that's dessert, right? Okay. What about get, what about focaccia? Lovely soft pillowy bread with like like deep wells in it that like have like some olive oil and some maybe some other mix-ins. Nice little appetizer thing. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But I can get I can get goddamn Mott sticks at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> mozzarella sticks, dude. Okay. <laughs> Bruschetta, come on, bro. I can do that. You can do that? I can br- too. Bruschetta is not fucking hard. All right, bro. I can chop up a tomato. I can get a goddamn thing of basil leaf and mozzarella and myself. Was this fucking $18 for that shit? Easy. God damn it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I kind of agree with you, right? If you're going out to a fancy restaurant. You want a fun experience, right? Yeah. I had a little bit of a moment when I realized that not all Italians eat fresh pasta all the time. You know, they make uh, dry pasta too. It's just convenient. Yeah. Unless they got a grandma. My grandma makes it. Grandma's just making fresh pasta every yeah. fucking day. Oh, it's dude. fucking delicious. Dude, sound off if you have an Italian grandma who makes fresh pasta every single day. Cause, and then also give me your address. Yeah. We will show up. Yes. We will. Just for that. Just for when grandma's making some pasta. Which is every day. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Should I shill now? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead with the shilling. I'm done with the ranting about Italian restaurants. (laughs) If you like this podcast and Olive Garden, you can support (laughs) them both with the links in the description. Just kidding. None of the proceeds go to Olive Garden, they all go to us. We need to have a soup salad and breadsticks (laughs) tier in (laughs) Indonesia. You can eat, (laughs) bitch. Uh, You can buy our merch, like this mug that John has been drinking out of, Uh, also our t-shirts at Teespring linked down there. You can also become a patron of the podcast, which gets you access to an extended episode wherein we talk about things like our favorite models from other painters, things we tried out and learned from this month. John was talking about Crackle Medium. Yeah, I was talking about Tamiya White paint, using that as zenithal. We also give feedback to one of our patrons. So as a patron, you can submit models for us to give feedback to, but you can also submit topics for us to discuss. This month, two of the questions we answered were from our patrons. You can do that for 5 bucks a month. All things linked down in the show notes and description below. God, that was good. Thank you. That's that's, that's good. We're going to see you real soon, real, real soon. Real soon. Um, And until then, uh, eat some tendies, paint some minis, lick some toads, and we'll catch you on the flippity-flop.